Okay, thank you. If you talk really loud, you should be able to come through. It'll it'll be all right. Honestly, I just send the note. Okay. Um, we we I asked this question last week, and it led to a full hour of conversation. Is it better to be single or married? And uh, and so that we we got all into it. So what I want to do is I want to back up to the scripture reference again that we're going to be talking about and it's in first corinthians 7 verses 1 through 29 so turn there first corinthians 7 1 through 29 and i need somebody that would like to read 29 verses or we can go around the room first corinthians 7 uh, one, we're going to read verses 1 through 29 in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. Okay. Now, as we read it, I want you to listen to it because I'm going to be asking you questions about what it's telling us. I'm going to be at, first we're going to tell you about what it's saying to people about being single. Then I'm going to ask questions about what it's saying to people about being married. And then I'm going to ask questions, if we get that far, about what it says to the widow, what it says to the divorce, and what it says to the carnally minded. So there's five groups of people he's addressing here. But we're going to start with single and married, okay? What's the passage again? 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 29. Is there any single voluntary readers, or will we go around the room five verses apiece? I got you. Okay. So starting at seven to where? No. You start at one. Verse one. Chapter seven, verses one through twenty-nine. <laughs> All right. Starting at chapter seven. Yes. 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 All right. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. The first twenty-nine verses. All right. Lay it on us, man. <clears throat> Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to marry. But since there is so much immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her, her alone, but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone, but also to his wife. Do not deprive each each other except by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. They come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because you lack self lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all men were as I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has his gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. To to the married, I give this command: not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate her husband. But if she does, she must remain unmarried, or else be reconciled be reconciled to her husband, and a husband must not divorce his wife. To the rest I say this, I, not the Lord, if any brother has a 
wife who is not a believer and she's willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he's willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through the wife, through his wife, and the unbelieving wife has been, been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever leaves, let him do so. A believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. How do you know? How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is the rule I lay down in all church, in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, <clears throat> and uncircumcision is nothing. Keep God's commands is that. Uh, keeping God's commands is what counts. Each one should remain in the situation which he was in the which he was when God called him. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although, if you gain your freedom, do so. For he who was a slave when he was called by the Lord is the Lord's freed man. Similarly, he who was not a free man when he was called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price do not become slaves of men. Brothers, brothers, each man as responsible to God should remain in this situation God has called him to. Now about virgins. I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think it is good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Do not seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But... If you do marry, you have not sinned, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as they, as if they had none. Okay, so my first question, what did you hear in all that? That is advice to single people, which most of y'all are in here. He, he was kind of like the father to the 15-year-old daughter, in a way. What do stay you mean? Single. <laughs> uh, stay single. Okay. I think one observation was he was trying to be very arrogant about being single. No, I'm joking, but he definitely did seem like he was more like... I don't think he was trying to completely bash marriage. I think he's like, if you're single and you want to get married, just take your time because there could be a whole, whole lot worse things you could be worrying about if you were married. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. You heard some good stuff there. What else did y'all hear? Very similarly, I was just kind of getting out the, like, he's kind of talking about the main purpose is not to get married. So, like, I know a lot of, especially, like, single Christians will be like, 
oh, you know, I'm just like waiting for the right man. But like, we're not waiting oh for anything, God. you know, like we are a complete person and who God has created us to be. And so like, of course he wasn't bashing being married, but he was just like, if you're single, then stay that way. Don't look for something. So like, if God brings, brings along someone, then like, good, y'all can get married, whatever. But it's not like your purpose in life to like look for this person. Mm. It's kind of like, like the um, our, wants, our wants don't align with God's a lot of the time. It's like we might think the social norm is to get married, have kids, try and set another generation, but that might not be God's plan for us. Mm-hmm. Good Lord, what else? What I got from it mainly on top of all the stuff what remained similar for like both married and single people was keeping God's command at the top. Mm-hmm. That's good. What else? One thing I noticed a couple of times, he said, um, I just want y'all to know this is my opinion. Did y'all notice that? Mm-hmm. Now he's saying, now this is my opinion, but I'm, I'm one of your fathers in the faith, so my opinion should be valuable to you. It's just like a dad, like when I talk to my my kids, I give them my opinions and I say, but remember, I'm your dad. I'm, I'm way down the road further than you, and uh, I'm going to get this a good word if you receive it. So he's giving you a good opinion, but it's his opinion. It's not, this is a carved in stone commandment, okay, because there's just too many nuances to being married versus being single um the other thing i noticed look at verse seven again he says i wish that all men were even as i myself but each one has his own gift from god one is this manner and another is that he's saying there some are gifted to be single some are gifted to be married you know it's not either or is both and both are necessary i mean if you think about god's plan both are a part of god's plan i mean without if if everybody was like paul's base paul really says it's better to be single that's that's one of the main messages i heard hey it's better to be single if you can be single but if not get married because a part of god's plan is you know uh being fruitful and multiplying the earth right well, you need married couples to do that. and uh, But yet, Paul says it's better to be single. says it in the first verse. He says, now concerning the things of which I wrote to you, which you wrote to me, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. This is better to be single. So why, why do you think it's better to be single? I think you kind of touched on it. Why were you saying? I think he's trying to warn about like just... I don't know, stress worrying about stuff all the time, like you do in a marriage. Um, yeah, yeah, he clearly said if you marry, you're going to have a trouble. Lot of problems, yeah. It's not easy being married. It's going to be trouble from the world, trouble from, you know, you don't like the way he brushes his teeth. Whatever. You know, it's a thousand things. It's death from a thousand cuts. You know? Now, if you're prepared for that, you're going to do great. Right, Susan? If you're prepared for that. If you know that it's work. If you know that it's going to be a different kind of trouble that you would not have to deal with if you remained single. So basically, Paul goes into this 
spill about why you should get married. Okay, you, why can you not be single? Why should you get married? What did he say about that? Did y'all catch any of that? One reason said if you cannot control yourself. Yeah. So speaking of what? Sex. Speaking of sex, lust, desire, physical desire. I mean, the truth is some people just burn up with that. Okay? And and God probably created them that way because he wants them to want to get married and get married and have kids. He wants you to raise your kids to love him. He wants you to bring more worshipers to him. Okay? So if you are that person, then you need to get married. Hey, I'm married. I'm that person. You know? I, that's not a bad thing. God created me that way. And But yeah, I've met people that they're like, you know what? That's That's not even important to me. And, and so maybe that's you, that I can go through this whole life and I, that's just not a need for me. Well, then you can put so much focus on serving the Lord. Some people that become missionaries or some people that become uh, people who serve their community or serve other people. It's like, you know what? I, I'll tell you a good example. There's a lady I work with. Her name's Karen Pace. Her and her sister both have never been married. They have adopted children their children have grown up gotten married have grandchildren and and she's like you know this is never going to be a part of my life and and i and this is how god created me and i'm good with it i that i just don't need marriage but but she's doing great things for the lord and she's not having all the worries that marriage bring so if you can be that person paul says that's of all the choices that's best of all the choices. So I wanted to really, I really wanted to stress that today because I want, you know, last week it, it was surprising and it wasn't surprising about how all the conversation gravitated around marriage as if that was a prerequisite or as if that was just a given that everybody should go down that road. And I want to, I want you to be absolutely clear. That's not the case. Everybody does not need to go down that road. And so you need to, you, you need to, you know, spend time asking yourself that question and asking God to give you that clarity. Do I even need to go down the marriage road? Or is there greater things you want me to do for your glory? Do you want me to be married to you? You know, ultimately we're, we're married to the Lord, right? And when we die and go to heaven, we're going to be his bride, Right. There's no more marriage in heaven. The Bible clearly teaches that. So, uh, Paul says in verse 1, it's, it's better to be sexually pure. In verses 7 and 8, he says it's better to be single. In verse 28, he says marriage is not a sin, but it will bring its share of trouble. And, and we didn't get this far, but in verses 32 and 34, he tells us that in singleness, you will care more for the things of God. In marriage, you got more to worry about, and it can distract you from the things of God. Anybody else want to add to um, how singleness can be better, as Paul puts it? Any other thoughts? More free time? No. Yeah. 
if you have if you're in a relationship you might go to them more for support versus if you're alone you have to go to god mm. that's a good word man good word all right anything else i think our world <clears throat> i think our world is just so obsessed with like finding value in human people so like even if you are like a Christian and you're following after God and then you get into a relationship but you're not like prepared for it, if you're not right with God first, then it is going to make it like where you depend on the other person more than you should depend on God. And then it definitely is a temptation to become an idol. And so I think like not necessarily saying like, oh, like mar- marriage is like never in the picture for like any of us. I think it definitely is. But I think it's super important to make sure that like you get your heart right with God before you even think about like, getting into a relationship with someone else. And I know that's, like, something that, like, people say all the time. But it's, like, it's really true. If you try to get into something without, like, having God as, like, your first line of defense and, like, turning to the other person, then it's just, like, it's kind of, like, self-destructive. And it ends up, like, hurting you without realizing. Mm. Yeah. I was, uh, Susan and I did youth ministry for many years. And I would, I would drive them crazy, but I'd always tell them. I'd say they would get on the marriage subject and I said, do you know the perfect age to get married? And they'd say, when? I'd say 30. And they'd all gasp, you know, what? And by the way, I was a, I was hard in this way. I did not allow any relationship stuff in our youth ministry. I'm like, hey, if you want to do that, fine. You do it outside of here, but that's not what, why we're here. We're not here to hook y'all up. We're not here for y'all to hold hands, to... I, we're, we don't even go down that road. It's not allowed, period. And and so here's the thing. And I tell our own kids, 30. And and that's kind of like a weird number out of the air. But, here's, but then I would follow it up with this explanation. First, get through high school. You know, just the other Wednesday night, you know, we're, we're, we serve with the youth and, and I see a a couple there, a high school couple, and they're just, oh man, they're just clinging on each other. I'm thinking, y'all aren't, you don't even know who you are. And you're you're like, you know, letting this person control you or you're controlling them or whatever's going on where you got to touch each other all over the place in a worship service. I don't even get that. But, but here's what we'd always tell the students is first graduate high school. Then go to college, then figure out your career. Who are you? Travel, go on mission trips, be who you are, learn who you are. And by the time you go through all that and you graduate college and and you go and you travel and you enjoy life and you figure out who you are, then it's time to begin to think about a companion for life. And by the time you might find somebody, by the time you get to know them, you're probably going to be around 30. Mm-hmm. Um, on topic, my brother didn't get married till he was thirty-nine. So, yeah, for uh, reference, so you can get married at any age. So, yeah, and 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 you know what? It, here's the thing: even if you got married, you know, it, around twenty-five or thirty or thirty-five, it's still a long life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Paul says, "Hey, there's trouble with marriage. So, do you, how much trouble you want? You want?" 60 years of trouble or just 30 you know when you, how i how many times i've heard somebody say this well 
we got married right out of high school and we were just kids then and now we're both in our 30s and it's like he's a totally different person she's a totally different person you know why because they didn't become who they were before they got married they just that's why i really i do not believe in in relationships in high school i don't i mean it's just it's you're short circuiting who you really are and and when are you going to get to know the lord you know i, I appreciate what you said when are you going to get to know the lord that's who you need to become a a fully developed, fully functioning adult that loves Jesus. And then, you know, then you're going to know way better of what kind of companion you're looking for. And and this, there is nothing wrong with, with waiting until 30s-ish, you know, uh, to get married. So, so anyway, that's, I'll get off my soapbox. Um, so single is the best life if you can be single your whole life. Paul says that's the best life. But we know that both is needed, and that's what he said in that verse. He says, For I wish that all men were even as myself, but each one has his own gift from God. One is this manner, and the other is that. We could take that to mean, since he's on the subject, one is single, the other is married. Both are right. Both are okay. All right? So you have the you have the um, permission to not get married or to take your time, okay? All right. So now, now we're going to flip to the other side of the coin. Coin. What is he saying? What do you hear Paul saying about two married people specifically to married people? So the interesting one that brought up, like in a circumstance where like one of the married people is a non-believer like it was like um it advises one part mentioned like it's kind of pretty much says it's kind of bold for you to assume that you saved them mm. like especially it says around like 16 yeah like 16 it says like how do you know wife whether you will save your husband or how do you know husband whether you'll save your wife mm -hmm. That was pretty striking because you often see that when that happens. Like, oh yeah, I'm a changing rise. Yeah, missionary, well, missionary dating. dating is different. There, you're dating them at that point. Yeah, you can but call it's it still off, like, like no, I I, I yeah. see what you're saying. Yeah. I, I yeah. see what no, like people really go on no, their really they like, really think I'm like, fix oh, him. I'm He's gonna good. like, yeah. I'm gonna convert him. He's about to be like the best man of God. Oh my like, god! Be, yeah. People like, like people really be oh. taking the party oh, dude wow. and make him yeah. like homie in the picture. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> they, they think they're gonna fix everything. Homie in the picture. <laughs> this is actually happening at work, actually. Oh my god! Hey, and, yeah, and you know, I, I think it, I think that I've earned the right to speak to say what I'm about to say mm -hmm. from just age and knowledge and watching life okay drum roll please this is specifically to the young ladies in the room here's what i know is that you want the bad boy okay and and you go after the bad boy and then you're going to change him you're going to missionary date him and he's going to become a good boy and that that that's a mistake it's a mistake to think that way y'all y'all laugh but you know it's true but it's a mistake to think that way. And, and that passage that he's referring to, you can carry it into that reality. You know, do not date somebody that, that is not God-honoring and think that, you know, because you're this holy Christian girl 
that his life is going to change. More than likely, you're the one that's going to change. He's going to change you. And so just don't, don't, don't even go there. I mean, if you're choosing, I, I, I believe dating ought to be about, you know, leading to marriage. I don't believe like it should just be, oh, I'm going to have a relationship with somebody, but they're not the one for me. Well, you shouldn't have a relationship with them. My my uh, former pastor of ours, he used to say, "You never know when the love bug's gonna bite." So if you if you're gonna go out on a date with somebody, they better be marrying material, or you got no business going on a date with them, because it leads down a path that you don't want to go. Especially guys. Now let me say something, to you guys, and and I don't believe this is true of any of the guys in this room, but I'm just speaking generally. Guys, you know you you date a girl that's if you're not dating them for marriage then you know what's in your mind you're dating them for for physical fulfillment and you're always it's like you're gonna you're gonna score the touchdown you're gonna get the first base you're gonna get the second base you're gonna get the third base i know it's silly but you know it's true it's true this is this is this is a legitimate reality in a guy's mind and so that's why you don't need to be dating a girl that's not marrying material because it's just going to lead you to trouble. I mean, if you, it, Paul says get married because you don't want to burn in your lust. You don't want to dishonor God like that. So you need to be married to take care of that. Well, then why are you dating somebody that you're not willing to marry? If you know that to have a relationship with a woman is because you got this, this thing and you, you, your calling is to be a married man. You know, you got no business doing it. So, so you got to think about that. I know this is in my notes, and I know I probably didn't express it that well, but but I hope you get what I'm saying. We we all got to be focused on on the reality of what our flesh wants to do, because our flesh is going to get us in trouble. Um, what else? What else is Paul saying specifically to married people? What y'all think about that? I know I had points here, and I just you know, I'm not even keeping up. <laughs> Good to be sexually pure is better to be single. Married to avoid sexual immorality. Marriage is not a sin, but can be trouble. There's a couple things there. But let's, in singleness, you think more than things to God. Okay, to the married. Now, say you, you, verse 10 and 11. Re hey, yep. somebody read verse 10 and 11 again. I got you. I command the married, not I, but the Lord. A wife is not to leave her husband, but if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And the husband is not to leave his wife, but I, not the Lord, say to the rest. If any brother... Oh, I went longer. Sorry. You know, I think it's interesting that Paul had point. said twice, These, this is my opinion. But then here, he, he makes a clarifying statement. Here's what he says. He says, now to the married, I command, yet not I, but the Lord. Now he's saying, you know what? All this is my opinion, but right here is what the Lord commands. So I want you to listen up. And then he says, a wife is not to depart from her husband, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And the husband is not to divorce his wife. So if I would, I'm thinking everybody in here are believers. 
I'm thinking if you're going to be the marrying type, that's still ahead of you. So whenever you get married, you're not going to have any out for divorce. Okay? Susan and I, I think we mentioned it last week. We knew early on that we had a commitment. We had to make a commitment that divorce would never be a part of our vocabulary. And I think we decided to make that when we realized how hard marriage was. Is that, is that a fair statement? We got a few years in and we're like, man, this is tough. And I don't think Susan ever did, but I might have threw the thought out there. Well, I'll just leave, you know, because that's how guys are, man. They'll cut and run in a heartbeat. And, and yet somehow by the grace of God, he brought us into a conversation. I really don't remember the specific conversation. I just remember the outcome where we both looked at each other and said, divorce will never be a word in, in our vocabulary. It'll never be an option for us, no matter how hard it gets. And that was a great day in my life to have that confidence and that peace of mind that as sorry and low down as I am, Susan would never leave me. She made a commitment to me that she wouldn't leave me. And, and it's not been easy. And I know that. <laughs> it's not been easy. I know that. leaving me. Susan knows that I know that. Uh, guys are just trouble. T-R-O-U-B-L-E. I mean, the good ones are trouble. So if you want a bad guy, get a good guy. He's a bad guy, too. <laughs> <laughs> nice guys are bad guys. I'm just saying. Sure. Nice guys look, finish first. Look time. at our dude not even tucking his shirt in. It's kind of wild. Right. It <laughs> is wild. Style, though, is but, but here's the thing is, is that, you know, there's, there's no out. If you're going to get married, it's for life. There's no out. The out is death. The out is death. Okay? Don't get any ideas, y'all. No. Yeah. So Don't let's look at this Louis. next <laughs> Now, this is what you brought up, verses 12 through 16. He says, remain married to an unbeliever. Now, let me tell you specifically who I think he's talking to here. I think he's talking to someone that they got married as an unbeliever, and then one of them comes to Christ. And then they think, well... Let's say if it's the woman that comes to Christ and she's looking at her husband and he's never going to come to church. He's never going to come. That happens a lot because, remember, you want the bad guy and you're going to change him. So you marry him and you know eventually you're going to get him into church and he never comes. And so you end up going to church by yourself. Then you have kids and you bring you and the kids by yourself. And the husband never darkens the door of the church. I've seen that many, many times. And some women finally get to a point to where they say, you know what, he's never going to change. I need to divorce him because I need me a Christian man. That's not an option. Who, if, you, if you're married to an unbeliever and you are a believer, see, the reason I say he's talking to somebody that wasn't an unbeliever that got saved because if you was a believer and you just listened to him, you wouldn't have never married an unbeliever. So you shouldn't even be in that circumstance. So the person that gets themselves into that is they married, they married somebody as an unbeliever and then they become a believer and the other person's a non-believer. Now you're unequally yoked. Yes. Yeah. My dad actually um, married my mom when she wasn't a Christian. I mean, she thought she was a Christian, you know. Um, she pretty much, you know, been going to church all her life and, you know, did all the ritual or the, um, you know, ceremonies and stuff because she was raised I believe Methodist mm -hmm. so or Episcopal I forget which one but 
Um, she um, went into near fatal surgery, and my dad was like, "Well, you know," or she she approached my dad, and she's like, "I'm probably gonna die, but I have to admit that I'm not a Christian." And so she accepted Christ then. Yeah. Yeah. And thank the Lord she didn't die. I wouldn't be here, but you know. But yeah. Well, that's an interesting circumstance because he married her thinking she was a believer, right? Yeah. And then she comes to a place to where she says she's not. And that, that could very well happen as well. You know, talking about, you know, marriage brings trouble. A part of the trouble of marriage is who that spouse is. You could be the most committed spouse in the world, but yet maybe they don't carry that level of commitment. Susan and I have seen many marriages where one person or the other left even though the person that didn't want to leave was very committed, but yet the other person decided they wanted something different. That's another reality of marriage that can happen. That's why really the choice of who you married should be a God thing, and you should be 100% sure that God has ordained that person into your life. And um, I think just like anything else, he can let you know. I have no doubt from the moment that God spoke in my heart about Susan being the, the wife for me, I've never doubted that. And uh, and it's proven true. We're married 31 years now. You're not doing a lot of smiling today. <laughs> Which, I feel like we did all the talking last week. So I know, like, I know. Week, Let's look at the I'm next. The, the next point to the married. Stay in the state you're in. No, leave but, in Georgia. Yeah, no leaving Georgia. So, so that ties into see that's a continuation of twelve through sixteen. That that if you come to Christ after you come into a marriage, then you need to stay where you're at. But it's true for everybody. If you're married and then ten years down the road you go, this wasn't what you promised me, honey or sweetheart or you know whoever it is, whether it's the man, this isn't what you promised me. If you go to God's word, he'll say, well, but stay in the state you're in. That's why I say it's not an option. For two believers are married, there's divorce is no option. Stay in the state you're in. What else does he say? That's a huge one. Verse 29, he says, love the Lord as if you're single. Now, what did he tell us about why it's better to be single? Because you can concentrate more on God okay. and more dependent on God. That's how you should love the Lord, yes. I have, like, a really difficult question, and if we don't need to talk about it, it might turn into, like, a whole rabbit trail. That's fine. We're not going to get through this this week. <laughs> All right. So, I personally am not someone who struggles with this, but I just had a question. What if um, two people of the same sex got into a marriage, and then one of them became a Christian? What do you think... The Bible teaches, or if it teaches anything, like what do you think should happen in that situation? Well, I'm going to tell you what the Bible teaches because that's what we got to base the answer mm -hmm. on. The Bible clearly outlines what marriage is in the eyes of God, and so that marriage is not a marriage in the eyes of God. So, so, so that's where you begin. And then if one of them becomes a believer, then they have to, you know, becoming a believer means that you become. Um, you become committed to God and to His Word, right? 
And so you have to admit that as you become a believer that you're actually living in sin and that if you're going to come to, to God, then you have to repent of your sins. And so although society just makes everything wonderful and good and, and you know, we, we've got this whole uh, reality now that if, if we, you know, in certain instances, if I preach against a homosexual lifestyle, you know, I can, I can get in trouble for that, which I, that's never going to stop me. But the truth of the matter is it would not be any different if you were living with a woman or a woman was living with a man. If you're in any, any kind of relationship other than what God says holy matrimony is, then it's wrong and you have to end it. I've, I haven't had that to where someone's come to me with that question that they were in that circumstance, but many times I've had people come to me and they say, well, you know, I, I want to receive Christ, but, you know, I'm living with my girlfriend and all this stuff, and, you know, what do I do about that? And I, and I tell them, I have to tell them, well, you need to either marry her or y'all need to separate and date until you can get married. That's what's going to honor God. Continuing to live in a, in a state to where you never married her isn't going to honor God. Now, that's, that's hard, but it's true. I was doing my devotion this morning, and it said this. It said that, you know, in Peter, it says that, you know, sometimes you're going to be you're going to be, the word wasn't persecuted, but basically it meant people are going to come against you because of what you believe. And Peter said this, it was so interesting, never stood out to me in Scripture before. He says, when that happens, you should rejoice in the fact that you look like Jesus. And, and just as people were offended by Jesus, they're offended by you because you look like Jesus, because you stand for his truth regardless of what the world says. And so I realize that as we talk about this, and we're going to get into this as this study continues, we're going to get into more of those questions. What about the gay and lesbian lifestyle, and what does that mean? I have a niece right now that we just had a conversation a couple weeks ago where she wanted to let me know she's getting married again. Initially, she was married to a guy. They had a son together. And at some point, she decided to leave that relationship and become a lesbian. And, and she says, oh, well, I was always a lesbian. Well, I'm not even going to argue, is somebody born that way? Do they decide to be that? I'm not even going to argue any of that because it can be either way. And I'll tell you what I mean by that is that the Bible clearly teaches us that the world is sin-cursed. And so the curse of sin is on us all, and that curse of sin causes us to make the decisions we make to be the people we, we want to be. People are born with disease. People are born with trouble because of the curse of sin. Doesn't mean it's God's will. It's not God's will for anybody to have cancer. It's not God's will for anybody to, to uh, be gay or lesbian. It's not God's will for anybody to be an adulterer, which is just as bad. You know, it's like we go, oh, homosexuals, you know, but somebody that's cheating on their wife. Is an adulterer. That's just as bad. Yeah, they gotta they gotta walk away from that. And you know what? Maybe some men feel like they were born that way. 
I, I'm not even going to, maybe, okay, you're, yeah, we're all born sinners. Yeah, you're born that way. But God says you don't have to live that way. So that's a hard truth in today's society, but that's why I believe God's Word teaches. I, I hope that helps to answer it. But they would, if they wanted to honor God, if, if there's two and only one wanted to come to Christ, they have to make a decision to repent. They have to accept that's a sin. And, and I know that uh, even in this small crowd in here, I know some of you have possibly have different views of that. Uh, just because it's it's so accepted in our society, and you have friends just like I have family members, and and uh, and by the way, ultimately, and and I'll end with this, and y'all can give any comments you want to in this regard. <laughs> ultimately, with my niece that called me the other week and wanted to just give me a heads up, she's marrying another woman. She's already married to a woman. Um, I said, I said, Michelle. The, the thing you need to think about right here is that anytime you've ever come around, we've never been ugly to you. We've never met, we've all, we've done nothing but love you. Anybody that you've ever brought with you, we've done nothing but love them. And, and that will be what we will continue to do. You need to understand that right up front. Yep. We love you. I said, but you also need to accept that according to our beliefs and according to God's word that we believe in that what you're doing is not acceptable in the eyes of God and for us to walk after God we have to we have to believe his word and sometimes that's you know that's not easy to do but but there will always be that because she was saying I, I'm worried about Nana which is my mother I'm worried about how she's going to feel and I said Michelle she's never done nothing she's the most loving one of the bunch She'll always love you. She'll love your friends. She'll love anybody you bring around. But she will never say that it's okay for you to live like this. She'll never say that. And I'll never say that because it's not okay. It's not okay to do anything that goes against the Word of God, whether it's accepted by society. Uh, you know, living together is approved by society. In in many cases, sexual promiscuity is is okay according to society in whatever way, shape, or form it all comes into. But, but you know, don't miss this. Get right down to it. It, it all comes down to just, uh, the you know, just people making decisions that's meaningful to them, irregardless of everything around them. Saying, I don't care about anybody else. It's most important for me to please me. Every day I have to pray, Lord, help me to be Help me to serve rather than expecting to be served. Why? Because I'm selfish. And every day I have to pray for God to keep me from being selfish. And I'm still selfish. But I, at least he's brought me to a place where I realize that I don't need to be thinking about pleasing me. I need to be thinking about serving him and pleasing others. Who else want to say something? That's a tough topic. Who else wants to say something about that? might be more of a technicality, but what if there was a case, like the way there was something, this is actually my coworker had to do something like this, where um, he was engaged to a girl, um, but to get on the company insurance, they had to go to the courthouse, get the marriage certificate, but they never actually did the full ceremony. They were planning it for later. Is it not until that ceremony that seen this as a marriage in the eyes of God, or could he technically... 
like what would that be considered so they got the certificate the marriage certificate but they haven't done the actual ceremony so. so did they go to the court and actually make their vows not entirely sure i know they have the certificate but so yes i guess so but if that's not before god that's before the government right yeah, uh, you know, I think that that's a that is a <laughs> it's very a technicality, but that is a but very. You can, I think, but I, I think you can be married. Like I've known people. Like my dad's a pastor. I mean, I've known people to show up at his house, and it's just my mom and my dad and them two, and they get married and yeah. they have their thing, and it's all it's all legal. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. Say, all I because think, they didn't have a big public ceremony, they're still married. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It could also well, I mean, depend on like the courthouse you go to because like our dad did a courthouse marriage with Judith and they're planning a ceremony for later. And the courthouse that they went to, they mentioned like people's like beliefs and they brought out a Bible and stuff. So I think it depends on that. Well, so like they kind of so. Well, unless it's just that they went and got their license. Yeah. Now, there's your marriage license, but that's not your marriage certificate. Well, okay, it was the license they got there. Okay, yeah. yes. I was going to go off of, like, I'd hope if anyone's going that far, they actually had that intent in their heart. Right. Well, well uh, they have the intent. It's just to get on the entrance for the company because yeah. there was a cutoff period. <laughs> so they were having to speed along that plan. Uh, I don't I don't think they're actually married just because they got a certificate. But I will say this is that I don't think it matters if you get married by a preacher or by a government official. I don't I think either way it's a marriage in the eyes of God because you know Jesus taught about taxes, right? He says, render under Caesar what is Caesar's. Also in my daily devotions, I don't know if it was in Peter or the previous uh, the previous book that I'd seen, but it, it was recently saying that, that telling us how to be obedient, it was saying obey all authority. So if someone has authority to marry you, you're married. It sounds like they've never even had uh, an exchange of vows or rings. They just have a thing to show their work. That basically, yeah, I think so. They're, they're, they just did something to accomplish something at their work. I, yeah. And they're probably living together, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. That's between them and God. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't call out. But, but don't, that... don't go to work and say, let me tell you what we're I'm like, you're not actually married. Mr. Barry said No, yeah. you, Mr. Barry <laughs> said it's between you and God, so I'm not going to judge you. What I learned at some about this church was. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's always danger in these kind of subjects. Where it's really going to get sticky, where it's really going to get sticky is when we get to the divorce section of this study. Because there, that's where the Bible leaves so much confusion because, you know, uh, the law, the Jewish law, they allowed for divorce. So we're going to have to dissect that and put it back together because I want y'all to understand all the pieces, okay? I do think there are certain circumstances where the woman can divorce her uh, husband. Well, we're going to find that out coming up, okay? We're going to find that out. Oh, look. Oh, look. We're going to find that out. Yes. Y'all be thinking about that and bring your best answers. Bring your A game. We'll probably hit that next week because no, next, next week, next, oh, week okay, after no, next, I'm sorry, week oh, after next, um, week after next, we will talk, we'll, we'll start with widows, widows, widowers. What do you do if, if you know, 
you're married, your husband or your wife dies, now what do you do? We're going to answer those questions. And so probably we'll, we'll also hit the divorce question. Um, so we'll, we'll go there. Um, yeah, so be, be uh, digging, it, digging it out for yourself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. Uh, we, Lord, I know it's true. And Father, sometimes it's not easy to follow. But Lord, we need to, we need to heed uh, your word. We need to live by it. We need to trust in it. And just because we live in a society that goes against it, Lord, that doesn't give us permission to uh, believe it according to majority rule. Lord, there's been many times through history when pe the majority's been against the truth of your word, probably most times. But Lord, we still need to uphold it as true and be the light of Christ in this dark world. So help us to be that in Jesus' name. Amen. So who's going to be teaching next week? Um, Clay. Clay will be teaching. Clay or Teddy? Yeah, I think Clay said he was bringing donuts.